Welcome to episode 48, BNBFC. Ryan and Brett back with you for another episode. What are you doing? Nothing. Keep going. <laughs> we had United picking up a dramatic late win at Old Trafford against Brentford. Arsenal defeating Manchester City 1-0 at the Emirates. So at the Rock. Finally! <laughs> And no interna- or international break this weekend, so there's not too much in the way of previewing anything. So Two, two international breaks in like less than a month? It's ridiculous. You see freaking, uh, uh, what's his name? Who's that dummy that coaches England? Oh, there's lots of dummies. No, Southgate? Southgate. Freaking Saka was pulled off injured off of game after 20 minutes and it was injured and Southgate still selected him. Harry Maguire made the team again. Calvin Phillips made the team again. Those two haven't played a game or started a game. Like, it's ridiculous. Anyways, um, I just want to open it up with the United game. I watched that game, okay, on the first half, and then I shut it off because it was pathetic. Like, I sh- actually shouldn't say that. I shut it off when Onana scored on himself, basically. No, soft hands Onana. Uh, produced an oh no and the ball went in the net and uh, I shut it off and then I turned it back on at the 92nd minute to be like oh, I'll watch them their sad faces that's not what happened but <laughs> holy Scott McTominay your boy the only yeah. person that you actually care about yeah. on that team and he did and he did United a disservice by keeping <laughs> Ten Hag in the job a little bit longer wait are you Ten Hag out no, well, oh. well. Here's the thing. I don't, I don't know where to go from here because I don't think there's a lot. The progress has been backwards this year for Manchester United. But I don't know who because they've tried every profile of manager pretty much. When you think about the post Fergie years, you know, David Moyes, the handpicked kind of that almost like a Graham Potter back in the day of sorts, someone who had done pretty well with a, a mid-table team and got the call for United. Didn't do very well. Louis van Gaal, kind of very international reputation, international experience with the Netherlands that just guided them the third place in that year's World Cup. Comes in, doesn't do very well. Wins an FA Cup and I think fourth and fifth. Um, Jose Mourinho comes in, serial winner. Does win a few of the kind of minor trophies. Gets that. Club legend, fan favorite, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Can't do it. And now we've got the young project guy in and we're hitting some roadblocks there. So there's really been every archetype of yeah. manager, maybe barring a, a kind of very proven attack-minded coach. Because you think of Van Gaal, you think of Mourinho, they're very pragmatic type of type of personality. So I just don't know what to go with for him. So I'm not Ten Hag out. I think it's the players, like to be honest. Like I mean, I think Ten Hag's responsible for for some of it, like he's brought in his boys, and it seems like if you have an argument again with Ten Hag, and it's not your, and you're not one of his boys, then you're left out of the team. But if you've allegedly beat your girlfriend, you're fine. Like so, I don't I don't understand. Like Ten Hag seems to be playing favorites a lot. Like you can just see it, and um, I think that's a problem. But I think a lot of it is like some of these players need to go. Like there needs to be a clear. Like there's not. I think there's one player left from Arsenal's like 2018 squad on the team. El Neni, I think, is the only one left. 
And he doesn't even really play. No, he doesn't play. And it's like it's not necessarily that those all those players were bad, but you need a clear out because like Bruno, talented player, but his attitude is horrible. And it's like, yeah, he might go to another team and play uh better football, but he needs a he needs a you need that mentality shift. You know that Arsenal is the like after Arteta cleared out and he had arguments with people that didn't buy into his system. Arsenal, statistically speaking, are them and City are the number one teams in the in the world at off the ball work rate. So like that shows the type of system where you know the players are playing for the manager and things like that. Where it's Ten Hag, just seems like he's got a lot of passengers on the team that do not care. They're collecting a paycheck. And I think that's what happens when you get into that culture where just nothing's changing. Like Ronaldo had said, like there's, you don't see any investments in the actual infrastructure and things like that. So I, I think you just get into the mindset of just collecting your paycheck there. And I, I think, it, I think if you get an owner change, I think that would be the first, I think that's the only thing you can do. And then it would uh, liven up. But I don't even think, Ten Hag spent a lot of money, but I don't think you've had a lot of signings that change the core fabric of your starting 11. It still feels like you have the, some of the only guys left in your starting 11. Well, a lot of some of the players that Ten Hag has brought in and or has Varane might've been there a hair longer than me, but like yeah. with the Casemiro, Varane, these are guys that are already in their prime. Well, Varane came in with, with Solskjaer. That's yeah. Varane, Ronaldo here. Yeah. Or, but yeah. Casemiro, certainly older player. Not someone that you're going to expect to be in the team five years from now. And then, yeah, the Ajax revolution at oh, United yeah, in terms right. of players. And really, no one's really paid off this year. You, you could argue maybe Martinez was a decent signing last year, but yeah. he's been injured this year. And when he's been on the pitch, he's looked like shit. Anthony has done nothing. Onana, you would think, like, you, you can give him, like, you can adjust, okay, it's a, it's a more difficult league but I don't kind of buy into that with keepers because your job's essentially the same thing no matter what like I feel like you don't have that adjustment period in terms of kind of understanding the differences in the leagues and saying that the Premier League's more physical because it's not that he's been bullied trying to go up and punch a ball or catch a ball it's just been the shot stopping and shot stopping is the same thing unless he wants to make an excuse that the Premier League ball's more slippy or something than what's been used in I just think one of the things I will say this about Onana is I think he's played really well for like 75 minutes of like, like he's got, he's just, he's so error prone because he, like that Brentford game, that was a horrible goal that he let in. But like for the rest of the game, he seemed pretty solid. Like he made a couple of really good saves. So I don't know why he's so like, it's almost like he makes, you have to score three goals to comfortably um, beat a team as United because you're going to have one goal that is 100% Onana's fault and then one goal that's just probably a great team goal by the other team, which is just not sustainable. But Scott McTominay? Oh. Uh, here's the thing. I didn't watch the game. Brett texted me like some a, Mc, a McTominay-related message. I can't remember what it was. But I thought, okay, he must – and I watched the highlights and then, okay – it's nine. We're in stoppage time. Oh, he got one goal. Well, that seems a little excessive because Brett seemed pretty excited on the message. And then, like, what are the odds? Like, I had no. Like, I was like a zero point zero 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 percent chance that I thought I didn't even put a one on there. If you didn't, if you noticed that 
he was going to score a second one. And he scored. He almost scored the offside one too. Yeah. If 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 dummy Martial didn't anyway. Yeah. He 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 came off the bench late. I think I bet you he got less than twenty five minutes of game time, and he scores two goals. I think what they're talking about at United after this is they're trying to get what they want the triangle to be. Is what I'm hearing is similar to like an Arsenal thing. Well, not Arsenal doesn't really do this, but it's kind of what they do. But they want McTominay and another forward, like the inverted triangle, and then have a holding like Amrabat as just a solid one pivot that plays super deep. Like the, apparently, you Ten Hag's like, yeah, no, McTominay is pressing forward now. Like kind of, kind of like playing what Xhaka played last year, where he was always running forward into the box. I think that's what Ten Hag wants to do, which is really positive. Well, I think I, I when I talked to you on the phone last, I think it's one step further, and I think McTominay can be really useful. Think of uh, Merrow and Fellaini at Everton, played right behind the striker. He was great at pressing the ball; could cause all kind of of nuisance, kind of for the opposing center backs trying to play the ball or the opposing center defensive mid from getting on the ball. He could head the ball down. Tomine seems one of his things that I think is really impressive. He finds a way to get shots on target through about 18 bodies at the top of the box. He's done it before. I think he's, but I think uh, is either kind of a attack minded number eight or even closer to a 10. Maybe yeah. because we've seen Bruno kind of play on the right hand side. I don't know how that, that's not his best position, but maybe it's like a Rashford. Rashford is, he needs to pass. Oh yeah, it isn't. I, I, I watch Hoyland get into these impressive and good positions, and then Rashford. He like, wants to. Like do I that. don't know for people who play FIFA, like pro clubs, if you just do drop-ins, and what that is, is essentially you get paired up with online human teammates, and everyone's for themselves. No one has a pass button on their controllers. That's Marcus Rashford. Oh, it, here's the thing with McTominay. I I bet you if he stays with the team and he gains a little bit more experience, there is no question in my mind, okay? that And he plays the way he's playing. He will win back over the United fans, and he'll be the captain. Well, he's the only one that actually cares about the crest. Yeah. And I've said that for the last five years. He plays hard no matter what time of the game he comes into the game. Plays hard every single time. Uh, he's probably he's my favorite United player. Like he, he just bleeds this club, and it's just wonderful to see. You got any more thoughts, or can we talk about what? Uh, I think there's is? more more pressing matters. No pun intended. Because we press the absolute beep out of city. Oh my god, Brian! You should have watched that game. I did. Well, I did watch the second half. Okay, and I just want to say this, okay? Just before we get into it, because I'm gonna get my blood boiled here. Pundits need to stop, man. Pundits have this agenda where they're talking about how. Oh well, Arsenal, um, Arsenal, like City, still, you know, Arteta tried to do some possession thing with Jorginho, you know, because if Spanish managers believe that if you control the ball, you control the game, and well, so they're like, why'd you put in Jorginho? Oh, you just wanted to control possession, but City controlled possession anyways. It was a fifty-fifty possession game. How do you, how do you even say that City? Yeah, anyways. City actually came out of the gates absolutely mauling Arsenal. Like, it was terrifying. But I'm telling you, second half, 
Like the start of the second half, it was all Arsenal. Like Arsenal, absolutely. Like I would have been like City should have been up maybe one nothing, but I didn't really feel like City did enough in the first half to do that. They were slightly the better team right off the start of the game, way better, and then it got more even. But my God, you you start with your points on what you thought of the game too. And then just gotta. <laughs> I thought is it's not surprising in a way that Arsenal won. I think it's impressive the manner in which they did win. Because you look at people, like people can beat Manchester City in the league, especially at the start of the year, it seems like the last few years have proven. But it's the other team seems like they're to have the initiative in the game and to still beat City, that's the impressive thing. Because if, if Arsenal could have easily maybe gotten a result if they hung back a little bit and countered and, and got the goal and whatever defended well. But for them to actually play how they want to play against the best team in the league, and to execute yeah. that effectively and get a result, I think, yeah. is the most impressive thing. Not only that, I just want to add to this. I'll let you jump back in. Not only did they play the way they wanted to, they actually looked like a team that stifled some of like City stuff. Like it looked like a really even game where like City was trying to do what they wanted to do, Arsenal was trying to do what they wanted to do, and you could see times in the game where Arsenal was inhibiting City from doing the things they wanted to do. So that was like a, oh my goodness, like this is like evenly matched, but keep going. Saliba gets home, finds Erling Holland oh, in his pocket. Oh, damn it. Holy shit. Right, I got a stat for you. Holy shit. You know that Erling Holland's career against William Saliba, he hasn't even registered a shot. Yeah, no I saw shots. that. 0. 0.00 expected goals. And no shot. None. Zero. Like it's ridiculous. And people want to say, oh, freaking Carragher came out and said, oh, the expected goals would have been the same if Saliba was in or Saliba wasn't. No, but here's the thing. We didn't have Saliba at Anfield. We didn't have Saliba at the Etihad. Uh, We didn't have Saliba at um, Brighton's away. Like all of these games that could have been, that he could have been a difference maker. Oh my God. The thing about Saliba that was so beautiful, and this this was so, I don't know if you saw it, Brian. But there was a moment where Arsenal got caught too far up. Except what Arteta's done is he gets everybody far up and then he leaves Saliba as the lone defender. So anyways, they sent a long over-the-top ball to Holland. And Saliba and Holland were both running to it. And it was a 1v1. And Holland and Saliba went shoulder to shoulder. And Holland was on the ground. And Saliba just ran and picked it up. And Holland looked broken. Like, he looked like I've never had somebody out-muscle me on the ball. And it was casual, Brian. Oh, my God. He killed that man. Like, the guy stopped running after, like for the rest of the game, basically. Like, it looked like the guy was, like, shell-shocked that somebody did that to him. Saliba, I'm telling you, best defender right now. Don't care. Do not care. Name a better defender. Phil Jones. I'm just kidding. Yeah. There's um, Declan Rice looks like he's worth every penny. I just there's one one play in particular that I saw. He was kind of pressing fairly high up. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's the final third, but somewhere in kind of the middle third, but still in City's half. Uh, just won the ball back, carried it up the pitch about ten yards, and then played a through ball to Martinelli, and led to a shot on goal. And it's just like such a like well rounded like every skill you needed a number six you saw in that one play. Okay, I, I'm going to get on to Declan Rice in a second, but 
the tactical point that I want to illustrate with Arteta in today's game, our, our midfield, it was so beautiful what Arteta did with the midfield. I looked, uh, I was like everybody else, Jorginho, what the hell is that shit? But what he ended up doing with Rice is Rice played deeper. So like he almost had his midfielders in kind of this weird line where it was like Odegaard, Jorginho in the middle, and then Rice who played back more, almost covering the space on the left hand. Like he was almost, and he had Zinchenko go up even more. So it looked like Rice was playing, Rice was part of the back three. That's exactly what freaking happened. But the thing with Rice is he's so good at tackling. And this is the thing that you like about him. And this is what everybody said is why uh, Arteta wanted Rice. Is he is so good at getting the, like tackling people and getting the ball back. But he's so good at bringing up the ball, like moving up the pitch with the ball and then making a direct pass for, like you said, Martinelli. Like he did that a number of times where he tackled somebody, did about five strides up the pitch and then a nice ball to a winger. And now you're like, oh my God, now we're in transition. But the other thing about it is there were so many times where Rice would get it back and give it to Jorginho. And Jorginho would just recycle, every, like just calm everything down. And you can't, like Jorginho's really hard to get off the ball. Except when he's doing stupid shit against Tottenham. But anyways, um, Rice, what I'm telling you, Brian. And the thing is, I don't care. It's He's only been there a month, but he plays like he's like, an Arsenal boy, boy, through and through. It's like he was in the academy. I don't, like, this guy celebrates other people's goals. Like, he's been part of the academy. Some fans came up to him after the game, and he's like, I can't believe the passion of Arsenal. Like, he, he almost looked like he was going to cry. I'm telling you, this guy, unbelievable. Another thing? Okay, go ahead. I, I just think this is a beautiful result as someone who wants an exciting title race. I think especially the the fireworks that came out after the final whistle because i think there's pep has said this and i think it's true to some degree that manchester city has been gotten a little bit tired of winning winning the treble and winning the title for three years in the row before that they might be lacking that little bit of spark and they've been on poor form lately and not that i don't this wasn't instigated on anyone's part by arsenal it was more kyle walker i think maybe trying to fire up his his own team but kind of getting City to riled up at the end of the game. I, th I think that's beautiful for the title race because it's kind of because this was really, I think it's a major milestone in terms of the Pep Arteta Arsenal City dialogue for a couple of reasons. One, it's the first victory, and one, it's where Arsenal actually imposed their game on City. City oh, does not, City oh, yeah. hasn't lost a game for three years. When the, well, yeah. I shouldn't say that, I don't know, but it's very rare that City actually loses because the other team can impose themselves and what they want to do on City. So that, oh. so it seems like, a, and it's so well placed, because make no mistake, City are still a better team on paper than Arsenal are. Right. And that be two points behind, it's going to be it's going to be a beautiful title race, I think. And Arsenal look like one good striker, number nine, signing away in January from really pushing it, probably being title favorites. Like if they're... They're close to City in January and get that one signing. They might be favorites. Oh, I here's the thing. I don't know what they're gonna do with the with the striker department, but I just want to say this. What was reported is that the Arsenal assistant uh, uh, set pieces guy didn't shake 
City's hand last year at the Etihad. So then when he tried to shake hands with City at this game, Kyle Walker took offense to that. Like, you didn't shake our hands last year at the away fixture, so why would we shake your hands? But I also think it's, like, bad bad attitude on City. Like, like I know it's like could be them trying to hype themselves up, but if you're that much of champions and it always goes your way because you're that drilled and that you're that that you're that good. I think it would be kind of like, like you're saying like more to the, like being, um, being imposed upon is kind of a weird feeling. Like you usually get to play your game all the time. But one of the things that I, what I was going to say about the midfield that I absolutely freaking love. So they had that going on and it wasn't working. It seemed like an evenly matched half once everything got settled down after city's first assault is city like Pep made three subs. So what was happening, what was happening a lot of the time is that um, like what Arteta did at the start is he have Jinchenko go way forward and then um, way forward and Rice would cover that area because Pep didn't use any super aggressive 1v1 wingers. Okay. And what, what was working with, so what Pep did is he put on Doku Who's a who's a one v one guy, and he also put oh, who are the other changes? Can't remember. He took off that stupid idiot Kol- Kovacic off. But anyways, the whole idea was Pep was going to use width more. So then what Arteta did? Beautiful. Oh my goodness. He takes off Jorginho. Okay. And oh, there's some. Def- anyways, he took so takes off Jorginho and puts on Partey in the midfield, and then takes off. Zinchenko, who's terrible at defending, after and then Pep like Pep puts on the one v one winger that's going to expose Zinchenko. He puts on Tomiyasu, who is like he's he's not a Wambasaka by no means, but he's a good one v one defender. Yeah. Like that's what he does. Like it was like and it was like short. It was like Pep's like here's my big tactical change, and Arteta was like. Too soon, bro. Here's a, because I'm telling you, Partey, Rice, and Odegaard, that was ridiculous. Like, when that change happened, it was over. Nullified everything Pep did. And Martinelli loved Like, I'm getting – I've already asked for Christmas a kit with his name on it because that guy, oh, I'm telling you, this guy does not give a shit if you're Cristiano Ronaldo. He doesn't give a shit if you're Ramos. He doesn't give it no shit. He looks at you and he's like, I'm taking you one-on-one. Every, everything he does is with purpose. And he and I don't know why they... I know Saka is really, really good. But I think they prioritize Saka a little too much on the pitch when you could go... Because you always see going from the right with Saka. Go over to the left with Martinelli because he was striking fear into that freaking city defense. Holy man. Ridiculous. And I don't care what people say. Lucky deflection. Yeah. That... <clears throat> was on target to Martinelli goal. Okay, so we don't know if Ederson would have saved that either. Yeah. Could have. A lot's been made, too, and all four of Arsenal's substitutes to that point were involved in that goal. Yeah. Like, the last four touches were the substitutes. Kai Havertz has a goal and assist in the last two games. And you know where he's got the goal and assist? He's played false nine, holding up the plate, and here's the thing, I love it. One of the things I loved about it, I'm not, I'm not over. Kai Havertz can, is not nowhere close to sending me over the edge, but I'm just saying this: when he, when Reyes sent him a long ball, this wasn't for the goal, but he sends him a long ball, and Kai Havertz, this big six five, 
weird lanky guy he traps it down and he's almost his almost instinct is to go where can i place it to the winger and i don't give a, i want to see more of it because i'm telling you if he's sending if he's holding it up for martinelli to start taking people on oh my god is that going to be beautiful because brian knows how i feel about wingers taking on like i'm telling you i don't care like when we watch the united game i'm like please start wambasaka please because i don't care that it's boring because it's usually like a stalemate but god do i ever love the idea of a creative winger that wants to take you on and a defender that's like like tells the other defenders go to the center because it's me versus this guy <laughs> i love that like i hate watching liverpool because it's like trent's going one-on-one -on -one with martinelli and you have to bring over henderson like this was last year you have to uh two mana wamba's like let's do this i love that attitude so it's just beautiful but anyways but i feel like this would have been a bigger talking point had the result went the other way. Mateo Kovacic, oh. two nasty challenges. First on Odegaard, second one on Rice. Gets away with a, gets a yellow card in the first one. The second one is null and void because play was blown dead at that time. No. I thought that's what it was. No. That's No, no, it's not because, like, it was slowly after the whistle, but it wasn't, wasn't nullified because of that. Like they still like VAR looked at the second challenge too, but how? Like you can't like like people can still get yellows for. But things you can after only you can only get a red for things after. Yeah. The, like for dangerous yeah. play after the whistle. Yeah. No, but so you he could have got a second yellow, in that case. Like they looked at it. It was. It's just the um. Like it's not like because the whistle's dead, it doesn't count. Like that's that's only in hockey for some. But reason. you can still get penalty or what? Like if it's yeah. if it's reckless play, it's yeah. Like I think if it's just a regular old challenge or whatever that's not not dangerous in any way, I don't think they care about yeah doing it. The uh, the Kovacic first one on Odegaard that was like that is a straight red. I don't care. Like the only thing that bothers me about it not is what people are saying, which I get is it wasn't so high that you go oh crap, but it was it was still on the top of the ankle. Like you're still like that's even more dangerous than it being up here. But it's just because you, everybody's looking for right up on the on the actual calf part that we're thinking, oh, that's really high. But the thing about it where where I don't get it is the ref gives him maybe the benefit of the doubt and gives him a warning with the yellow. And then he makes the same challenge. I don't care if VAR looks at it, whatever. Like if you have a player, you tell him, calm down. Like that's a bad yellow. You're lucky to get a yellow basically. And he does the same challenge five minutes later. The thing that I don't get is how, like, at minimum, each of those seem like a yellow. Oh, at minimum. minimum. At minimum. So how do you stay on the pitch? Oh, I know. And the thing is, Oliver looked at looked at Rice like he was like, get up. Like there's like he was looking at the like going like, oh, that's nothing. Like he like he was clearly looking at it and he's like, there's nothing in that. Like that's how serious he was about the second one. But I don't get how because there was two other red cards this week with high ankles and i think the one that on odegaard was the worst out of all three so that's a good thing the Premier really had their most experienced referee and their best nah, they just don't know what to do like i'm so shocked that he didn't go to the monitor for the first one it makes it makes no sense to me but um what a what a game though i'm telling you just gotta take a breath here okay Anyways, let's get. In the, I think that was, by the way, a title-defining, a title-winning uh, game. 
not for Arsenal. I just think it stops City from winning. Like, I just think if, if City wins that, it's probably over. But anyways, um, let's go on to stoppage time. We heard that uh, Eden Hazard is retiring. Um, it's really sad, but I want to say, how would you how would you use one word to sum up his career? Mixed? I, I feel like I have to explain that. And yeah, I'll no, do it quickly. Because exceptional player at Chelsea, PFA Player of the Year, multiple-time winner. Probably at that time, arguably, third best player in the world behind Messi and Ronaldo. Um, goes to Real Madrid, and it goes pretty much horribly wrong from there. Whether the player didn't apply himself as much as he could have, because there's obviously talk about his fitness and things like that. So I don't know where it all sends on there, but what could have been, oh, maybe. Yeah. I think a career of two halves. Because he was phenomenal at Chelsea. I also think you need to look at no protection for certain one-on-one wingers or people that you have a pre-notion by the referee. So I think Mourinho was right that Hazard has a limited career because of how awful he got tackled in the first career. One other team outside of Arsenal is unbeaten at the moment. Tottenham Hotspur. Can they do it? No. God, that's no. a stupid idea. That is. Whoever tweeted that out. Well, I think it's stupid for I don't for like I don't think Arsenal's invincible team comes in. I I think they they get smashed like the current Arsenal team and the like, I don't it's just the, you just the, pay so much disrespect. Yeah. I think the treble team from United was a shit team. Oh, it was like but, they got like, lucky. No accomplishment yeah. anymore. No, yeah, I should we shouldn't even be talked about because it's already been done again. Yeah. Why is it something that has heritage? Oh. No, oh. I think that uh, I think you throw Arsenal's team in. I think the Premier League's just evolved to be better than it was 20 years ago, but that's it for today's episode. See you in the next one.